to talk a little bit about uh, fear versus faith. And right now, the whole world is gripped with fear. I was just speaking to some pastors in Asia, and you know, they were telling yesterday, and they were telling me how their whole city, their whole country, there's regions where there's crazy lockdown, some of the worst traffic in the world, and uh, you know, whole freeways and motorways are just completely empty. There's no traffic, and uh, a lot of logistical serious problems. And with that. People get really afraid. Even people that really love Jesus with their whole heart, we look at the facts, we look at the logistics, and we start intellectually processing the ramifications of everything going on around us. But I really want to just focus in on this because I'm going to show you today that fear is a spirit, it's not a thought process. I'm going to say that again. Fear is a spirit, a demonic spirit, it's not a thought process. It's not even an emotion. Fear is a demonic spirit. So let's talk about this. But in order to do this, I want us to go back to the, the first book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. And I'm, I'm going to reference uh, just 1 Samuel. I'm not going to read it right away. 1 Samuel chapter 16, Saul has sinned and he's disobeyed God. He's, he's actually gone against the instructions of what he was told to do. And he, instead of decimating a city and making sure that not even the animals survived. He kept the king and he kept a bunch of things for himself. And it was the final straw in his behavior that caused God to actually reject Saul as king. And so God comes to Samuel, who was the greatest prophet in Israel at the time, and he says, you know, why are you mourning? You know, get up, I've, I've chosen another. And so God leads Samuel to a man named Jesse's house, who was David's father. And, you know, there was a process there and David actually was out in the field and the other brothers were all there, uh, you know, getting lined up and uh, David wasn't invited to that. And uh, so, so Samuel goes through all the brothers and he's like, no, I'm not getting a release from God. It's none of these. And he turns to Jesse and says, do you have another son? Because there's something a little funny here. God told me to come to your house, but these aren't the guys. And Jesse's like, well, yeah, I do have this other son, and, but he's the shepherd. And Samuel says, bring him to me. And so, so David gets brought in and he's cleaned up a little bit and he stands there and the Lord actually releases Samuel and Samuel pours oil over David's head and he anoints him to be the next king of Israel. Now, just it, it's like the covenant that we just took. It was a covenant anointing. It wasn't invoked right away, but it was a promissory anointing, like a prophetic word. A lot of people believe that when we get prophetic words, what's happening, it's done, it's, it's over, it's it. No, no, there's going to be a process. And a promise has been made to you, but it's actually not in effect yet. It's in effect in the spirit realm because heaven's declared it, but it hasn't arrived in the natural yet. And so there is a delay between when it's been said or promised or anointed and when it's going to start functioning. And so I, I want to just start there, but then we come over to, uh, and that, that happened, and Saul remained king at that time. And then so we come over to uh, Samuel chapter 17. Arguably one of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament. And I've read this several times. But, you know, when you read this in peacetime, this is a nice story. But when you read this in a time of turmoil and tribulation, this, this piece of biblical history starts to carry new weight. And I want us to really look at it and pay attention so that as we go through this, 
uh, chapter. There's a lot of scripture we're going to read through right now, but I want you to bear with me and really, really pay attention to this because it's going to strengthen you. It's going to strengthen you, and you need strength right now because you're in a day where you're in a season where all in a time where the world is in turmoil, the whole world. It's not just a county or a state. It's not even just a country. The entire world is in turmoil right now. Okay, so, so if we come to um, Samuel 17, and I'm going to read from verse 1. Now the Philistines, who was an enemy nation to Israel, the Philistines gathered their armies, plural, not just one, armies, together to battle. And were gathered at Soko, uh, which belongs to Judah. Now that's an interesting statement. Because the enemy didn't come and meet them on the boundary. They came right inside the territory of the land. They, see, it says it belongs to Judah. So they were inside the Is, Israel's territory. They didn't just knock on the door. They walked right in, trespassing, and came right in like a, like a squatter into the land of, the, of Israel and, and started to file up a, or build up a battle against Israel. They encamped between Soko and, I'm sorry, but these words are terrible for me, Azekah in the, in the Ephesidim, okay, verse 2, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other, with a valley between them. So it was like a hill on either side, and there's a big valley where the battle would take place, uh, and they would build it up in, in, in battle array. Now, verse 4, so, so that kind of starts to lay things out. That's the, that's the battle. That there's, several, there's about 10 different aspects we're going to look at in this chapter right now. The first one is you can see that the battle outline is it's vast. Phil, uh, the Philistines have brought several armies and, and Israel has been essentially invaded and there's an army sitting there on another mountain looking across a valley and Israel's encamped on the other, on the other valley. And I'm going to read, carry on reading from verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, I believe it's somewhere between 11 and 14 feet tall. That is a very large creature. Now, the reason that he was this big, as you can read it in Genesis chapter 6, there was actually a, a hybrid between a demonic entity and a human entity, and this was an offspring. And this is why God wanted whole cities wiped out. And they, some people are like, why would God do that? Because there was this. And this is not what God created on the earth. God created human lineage. Okay, so Goliath was, was only part human. I want to make that very clear. He was not just a man, he was a creature. Okay, and this is very intense. You can read it, it's right through the scriptures. It's, it's just, you know, it's right there. But, but I, wanted, I really want to focus on one word it says. It says on, in verse 4, chapter 1, uh, sorry, in, in verse 4, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines. Now, stop right there. There's a lot of tall people walking around the world right now. I've met some incredibly tall people that are so tall you take a double take at them and like, man, you should play basketball. You are gifted. You, you, have, you have altitude, right? And so this guy was, wasn't just said, doesn't just say a very tall man. It says a champion. Now, in order to be a champion, you have to have a track record of defeating foes. 
You see, the thing is, is that for a champion to be there, you, you, you've actually got someone that has a, a trail of destruction behind them. When you have a boxer, uh, you can put a man on that's never boxed before and you can strap boxing gloves onto that man or that woman and you can say, well, you know, there's a boxer. But if you line up someone that has, you know, um, like Sugar Ray or Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, you can go through all the greats, you know, you know uh, Muhammad Ali, you can go through all the greats of boxing. And you can say they are champions because they have been in fights where they have won. Not just been in fights, they've been in fights that they have won. So it doesn't just say a tall man walked out on the field with armor on, it says a champion. So this, this Goliath, this, this giant, was literally a creature that had a trail of destruction. It, 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 he had defeated everyone that he'd gone up against. He was a champion. Okay? So I really want to pay attention to that because right now, the world's talking about this thing that's killing lots of people. It's a champion. Okay? I really want you to see that. So this champion went up from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. That's all the little rings that are interlocked together. It's called mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Now, you can go look that up. This is no small creature. This is someone that was, you know, like a human tank walking around with all kinds of armor on them. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. He was carrying a javelin over his shoulder. Uh, and now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. A weaver's beam typically was 12 feet long. So that gives you an idea of that this guy is throwing small trees around. 12 foot is a big piece of wood. Okay. And his iron spear head weighed 600 shekels. And if anyone's on right now, go and Google it and put up on, on, on Facebook how many pounds that is. 600 shekels was the weight of his spearhead. And uh, the shield bearer went before him. So he, was, he had so much stuff that he had one man that his whole job was to carry this guy's shield around. Okay? So we're talking a very intimidating figure that has a track record of killing everyone that's come up against him. He's a champion. Okay? He's stepping out on the field. So verse 8, and then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come up? Why have you come out to line up for battle? Like what he's saying is, we're invading your country. What the heck are you even doing? Why have you even bothered to try and fight us? You can't beat us. We're in your country. We are going to, we are taking control. We are taking authority. Why would, and he's, all these words of intimidation are coming out of his mouth. Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Did you know, now, did you notice, this is very interesting to me, because this is just like the devil. Everyone knew that Israel was the army of, had the army of God with them because you can read in biblical history that where the Ark of the Covenant went as the children of Israel came out of Egypt, that all the nations surrounding them were terrified because God always gave them the, the victory. But now, this Philistine, this, this, this giant, he, he doesn't address them as God's children. He addresses them as Saul's children and servants. Very interesting. See, he's attacking their identity. 
So he's, then he says, well, look, guys, we can figure this out. You choose one of your men for yourselves and let him come down and fight me. You see, isn't it interesting how the enemy is trying to do all of the organizing, the intimidating, and the dictating of how this battle is going to go? And he says, if he is able to fight with me, sorry, fight me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. He's dictating not just the fact that there needs to be a fight. He's dictating that, hey, this is why we're going to fight. And the outcome is going to be if I win, you know, you're my slaves. And if you win, well, then we'll be your slaves. But it's probably not going to happen because I'm massive. That's, that's really what he's saying. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, isn't it amazing because this spirit, because I'm, I'm going to call him a spirit because he's not fully man. He was part demon. Okay. He literally was saying, I defy you and everything that you have, what you've done in the past. I defy you and I don't respect you. Now watch this. Verse 11. When Saul, who was the king, their fearless leader, and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, right now, we have huge groups of people on the planet that are hearing statements all over the world, and they're becoming dismayed and greatly afraid. You know, I went to go to a store today this morning. I had to pick something up. And uh, I went there, and it was self-service checkout, and I actually needed something um, to be taken care of by one of the clerks. And one of the clerks kind of came up to me, and he tried to hold something out so we couldn't get near to me. And there's just all this fear that's motivated this person who two weeks ago was happy and, you know, passing things around and totally happy, patting people on the back and going about their day is now holding something out, almost getting ready to put it out on a stick to me. You know, and uh, people are being so affected because there is like this Goliath that's coming out saying, this is how it's going to be. You are going to have to do this. And I have a track record of success. I'm going to kill you and you're going to be my servant. You are going to. And by the way, I'm not even going to call you sons and daughters of God. I'm just going to call you by your name. See, he said, you're servants of Saul. But he identified himself. You can hear the disrespect in it. He said, we are the Philistines. He's like, we're the Philistines. And I'm a champion. And all of you are just servants of Saul. He was trying to make the, the Israelites afraid of even what they were doing there and who they were. And right now, the world is being afflicted with fear so that we forget who we are. Okay. So let's keep reading here for a second. I'm going to keep reading. <coughs> Is somebody getting something? Because I'm really enjoying this. Okay, so um, we're going to come down to where are we here? I'm going to I'm going to come to I'm going to I'm going to skip a few parts to save some time. Let's come down to verse 14. Verse 14. David was the youngest. It's just talked about David's three brothers that were at the battlefield. Um, David was the youngest, and the, and the three oldest followed Saul. So his three oldest brothers 
were in Saul's army. Verse 15, but David occasionally went and returned to Saul um, to feed his father's sheep uh, at Bethlehem. So returned from, so David went back and forth. I, I read that a little wrong. David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep. So he was going out and then he was coming back. He was really, his primary job was he was a shepherd looking after his father's sheep. But he'd go out and he would feed um, his brothers. He would take food out to his brothers. So let's come down to verse 16. Now this is really interesting here. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Now, isn't it interesting that with most news agencies, there's the morning news and the evening news? Have you ever thought about that before? There's the morning news that you watch when you're having breakfast, and then there's the evening news that you watch when you're having breakfast. And so Goliath was like the news. He would come out in the morning, and he would come out in the evening for 40 days. That means he, he spoke 80 times saying this very thing. I'm a, I'm a champion. You're the servants of Saul. You fight me and win, we'll be your slaves. And if you fight me and win, so, sorry, if I fight you and win, then you'll all be our slaves. He did that two times a day for, for a month and a half. Just about a month and a half. So, so there is a brainwashing that's happening. There is a consolidating of uh, fear. And there is a consolidating of intimidation. Goliath was coming out so confident that he was speaking in such a way that there was no way Israel would ever win and that Israel was just delaying the inevitable. Okay? I, I want you to see this. <clears throat> um, um, sorry, I just lost my place. So th then let's come down to verse 19. Uh, and now Saul and, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Verse 20. So David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. Now, it's interesting here. He was really submitted to his father. He was submitted to his father looking after his father's sheep, but he was also submitted to his father and he was taking lunch to his brothers or food to his brothers. And he came to the camp uh, as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle. For, the, for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array. So they had their, their camps were there on each side, but they had fully got into their battle. Like they put all their armor on, and there was a... You know, you see those movies where they're all hyping, you know, the commander will come up and he'll hype his, his men up right before they run and storm onto the battlefield. Um, army against army. Verse 22. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper... And he ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked to them, there was the champion. The one that had the track record of destruction. The Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke accordingly to the same word. So he's saying the same thing over and over and over again. So this time, David Heard them. Now watch this. This is really interesting. Verse 24. And all the men. You notice it says all the men. Not some. All the men of Israel. When they saw the man. Fled from him. And were dreadfully afraid. So it's changed now. From what you see in uh, verse. Uh, I think it's like. Verse 8 through 10. Where he's coming out. 
and that they were, you know, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. It talks about in verse 11, it says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now they're terrified and running because he's been doing this for 40 days and he's been conditioning them that you are the weaker vessel, you are the weaker army, you are the one that, that, that is going to lose, I am going to defeat you and you will be my slave. He's been saying it over and over again and everyone slowly is into a psychological panic and terror. It's slowly conditioned a strong army that has a track record all the way out of Egypt, all the way into the promise. Israel had a phenomenal history of decimating cities and nations. They literally wiped out everyone because God was with them. Okay, I want you to see that. So, so here in verse 24, and now, now Goliath's saying it again. It says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, Goliath, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So what that means is they were terrified for their lives. So let's just keep reading here for a second to verse 25. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this, this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy the armies of Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich him with great riches. So it got so bad that not even Saul, who was supposed to be the leader, no one wanted to fight this guy, and Saul basically said, Look, we need to pay for this. If someone wants to do this, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. You'll be blessed. You won't have to pay any taxes. You can marry my daughter. And even with those prospects of all kinds of money, up to a third of the kingdom, tax-free lifestyle, marry my daughter, no one in that army, brave seasoned warriors, stepped up. You know why? Because they'd been listening day after day after day to a man that stood minimum twice the height of an average man. This, this man was huge. Okay, so let's keep reading. I, I want to I present this because it's so important to understand how fear works. Fear starts with an idea and a seed and a few facts and tries to press on you so that you back up and that you, 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 you become, uh, you, your heart starts to melt. You, you shift from being dismayed and disappointed to dreadfully terrified. It tries to establish an idea as a fact. Like, you know, there's many people that talk, you know, fear is... Uh, um, uh, is it facts appearing real or something like that? A false evidence appearing real. That's it. False evidence appearing real. And, and a lot of it is that is that that is the case. Okay, so let's keep reading here. I'm going to come. So David went back and forth. There was people that were like, you know, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Um, I'm going to read from... So David's asking, I'm going to come down to, um, you know, his brothers are saying, you know, you're just arrogant, you're full of pride. And David responds in verse 29, he says, and David says, what have I done now? He was already disdained. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause that would cause someone to have to stand up for the truth and justice and righteousness? Okay. And let's come down now to um, verse... 33, because he'd come now, they brought him to Saul, and Saul was like, you're just a boy. So verse 33, and Saul said to David, you're not able to fight against this Philistine. You're just a youth, and, and, and he is a man of war from his youth. So, so Goliath was almost like a horse that was bred for racing. Goliath was a creature that was trained from birth, from, from his childhood, to kill. 
He, it was a natural instinct for him. It was like he was he was at the top of his game, literally. It's about eleven cubits apparently in the, in the span. So there's your there's your dad joke for the day, all right. Uh, but verse thirty four. But David said to Saul, "Your servant used to keep his father's sheep." And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, when he uses the word uncircumcised, what he's actually saying, see, to the Jews, to the Israelites, circumcision is a symbolic act of covenant. So what he's saying is, I have covenant with God. Goliath doesn't have covenant with God. So he's saying this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of these lions and bears, seeing as he's defied the armies of the living God. Come on, somebody. Now, I love this attitude. And you can see later on, it talks about one of David's mighty men later on in his life. He says that he took up a weaver's beam and he defended two troops of Philistines over a lentil patch which is a small garden of like bean lentils. And you can see that David didn't just say this in the moment. He lived this and he raised up spiritual sons and disciples, uh, protégés that carried the same spirit. That's just a small note for free. So David is saying that to, um, he's saying that to Saul. Now, you know, it's really interesting to me here because you see the countenance of David is different and he's younger than all of them. He's a young boy. They say he was around the age of 14, somewhere around there. So a 14-year-old boy in the natural has no business going up against a seasoned warlord, which is really what Goliath was. And so you see this amazing thing. And all of the children, all of the army of Israel had stood there for those days, all those 40 days while Goliath was saying two times a day, 80 times they heard this chant. And this dictate of how the, the terms of war, the terms of engagement, this is how it's going to be. This is how you're going to die. Choose one of yours. And they're hearing it all the time. But David hasn't submitted himself to this. Now, the problem isn't hearing it. The problem is how they responded. Because if you notice that the armies of Israel, you could really parallel that to the modern church. The armies of Israel sat there listening to it. And it doesn't talk about anyone responding. It says they all stayed quiet. No one had anything to say. It's, all it says is that their response was they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And later it says they fled and were terrified or, or full of dread. Okay, so, so it escalated. It escalated because they didn't have a response to this, to this attack that was coming against them. They stayed quiet. Whereas David, he'd had a relationship with God. He had looked after his father's sheep, and that's where he had cultivated his relationship with God, is out in the field where no one else was around, talking to God, communing with God, worshiping God on his harp. And when predators came in, lions and bears, he would rise up and strike them. He had a fearlessness about him because he was more uh, respectful and, and fearful in a healthy way of God than he was lions and bears. And so that became something in his life that was a track record. He had a track record with God. And he says, with my God, I rose up and killed the lion and the bear, and God helped me. Okay, so let's keep reading here. Let's just keep reading. Um, where are we here? 
think I got to... Oh, no, did I read verse 37? Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me now from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, because you see, Saul was seeing greater strength in David than he was seeing in himself. He was seeing greatest courage in David than he was seeing in any of his generals or any of his men. So his confidence shifted to the one that had the covenant with God, the one that actually had a track record with God. Come on, somebody. Uh, he said, go and the Lord be with you. So then we know the story that that Saul and his guys tried putting their armor, their Saul's armor on David. And it didn't fit because David was just a boy. So now I want you to come down to verse 40 and we're going to read. We're going to read all the way through. So this is going to be a, a big segment, but I want you to pay attention because I want you to not just listen to the recount of the history. I want you to let the spirit of what was done get on you. Because right now, the world is terrified, absolutely terrified. There's whole church denominations and groups of people that are hiding under their blankets, that are, you know, staying in their houses, that are sanitizing everything in sight. And, you know, their hands are going raw because they've washed their hands so many times. And I do believe that we should be wise. I am, I've never once said that we shouldn't be wise. But I'm definitely going to tell you that you shouldn't be in fear. Because if you start getting in fear because of all these news reports you're hearing, that thing will actually have authority over you and the strength in your heart will start to fail. I believe that, you know, there's all these memes that I was born for such a time as this and all those people now are hiding. So I, I would say if you really are born for such a time as this, you better start acting like it. If you really were born for such a time as this, you better start saying, well, you know, I couldn't pay my rent and God helped me pay my rent that time. You know, and I, I thought that that person was going to get sick and die, but God healed them. Oh, yeah, that's right. God's been with me in my track record. I have a lion. I have a bear. Now, this thing that's come up, this coronavirus thing that's telling everyone that there's going to be all kinds of deaths and everything's going to be shut down and the economy's going to be destroyed. Now, hang on a minute. I've got God with me and he's been on a track record with me and he's been good to me. He's been faithful. He has done things where what should have happened in the natural was everything fell over or people got sick or people died or people couldn't pay their bills. And I watch God time after time. Provide for me, break through for me, heal me and heal my friends and my family and do all kinds of miracles. And I know right now that God is with me and God's going to be good for me. You see, I'm not into getting hyped up, but I'm telling you right now, I'm into getting hyped up about God because God's never let me down. I've never seen the righteous nor his seed begging for bread. That's what David said when he was an old man. He said, you know, Abraham was told by God, he, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And David, his, his, his uh, descendant, when he was an old man, he said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. What he was really saying was, I remember what was told to my forefather about how God said he'd never leave us nor forsake us, but it's better than that. He doesn't just leave you nor forsake you. He takes care of all your needs. Not even your children are going to be begging for bread. Come on, somebody. God is with you. God is on your side. You need to stop believing the reports of all the news reports. It's good to be educated, but if you let that education start to grip your heart with fear, you have a Goliath speaking to you, and every time that Goliath speaks to you and you meditate it after the news or after the reports or after those things that you really need to watch and really need to read, it's wearing down your mind. It talks about in the book of Revelation, it talks about the beast 
which really speaks of the spirit of the world in our, in our system. In the future, it's going to uh, be an antichrist uh, world system. But it said that the beast made war with the saints to wear out their minds. And we have to be so vigilant that the enemy doesn't get access into your mind. How do, how does you, how do you get into a person's mind? Two ways. Through hearing and reading or seeing. And we have to be so careful that we guard these two gates, our eyes and our ears, because that's how he has access to your mind. You do not let the enemy wear out your mind. You stand in faith and you look at the track record of everything that God has done. Even if you have to go back to your childhood and work your way up and say, hang on, because you know the children of Israel, God set them free from Egypt. He set them free from the greatest empire on the planet at the time. They were slaves for 400 years. They were absolutely treated as subhuman. And yet when they got free, they started complaining because human nature moves on from God's greatness and quickly forgets how good he's been. And we move on to, well, he hasn't done this for me yet, or that hasn't happened yet, or look what's going on now. And we find the next thing to complain about. It's human nature, degenerated human nature, by the way, to look to complain. But if we actually are truly sons of, of the king, daughters of the king, we're going to stop and look and say, I understand we're in some dark, difficult seasons. I understand the world's in turmoil, but I have a history with God. God has been faithful to me. I've been in difficult times before, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I can now say like David and Abraham, God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. I've walked through seasons. See, Paul said the same thing. He said, I've learned to have a lot and I've learned to have a little, but in all things, God's been good to me and I'm going to praise God in the midst of it. Whether I'm doing great or I'm in difficult seasons, I'm going to walk with God. Come on, somebody. This is a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be hearing this. And it's a good day to let God's spirit build your strength up. So let's read from verse 45. Sorry, from verse 40. David, it says, and he took, Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. Remember, this is the staff that David took. He said, he said later on, he said, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So you have to hold the staff of God. The staff is actually what's used as walking stability and also a weapon to fight off prey for a shepherd. The, 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 the rod and the staff, sorry, the rod is used as a weapon and the staff is used as what a shepherd uses to guide the sheep. So he takes his staff and he walks into the battlefield. So come on, let's, let's read this, verse 40. He took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, the brook, which he put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. Come on, he didn't have Saul's sword, he didn't have Saul's helmet. He had his own skin relationship with God. He had his own experience, the thing that he'd been walking out. See, there's a lot of people right now that have been walking a certain way, and everyone's been thinking they've been walking a different way. But you're in the battlefield now. Now what you've been walking in is going to come out. And so you either shift into actually walking with God or what you've walked in is going to cause you to lose your heart and flee and be dismayed. Okay, so it's time for us to actually get closer to that shepherd staff and let God lead us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
Come on, somebody. Okay, so that's the same David that, that wrote that is now living this. Okay, so in the, in the pouch he had, and then the sl a sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. So now he's walking towards Goliath. Can you see this? Verse 41, so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore his shield went with him. See, Goliath needed help. I want you to get that. Goliath needed help. He was this big, burly, intimidating being, but he needed a whole man to carry his shield. You know who David's shield was? God. <laughs> Come on, somebody. This is awesome. Verse 42, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him or he looked down on him like, I'm disappointed. This is disgusting. You would send to me something that's below my level. You know, like in ancient times, warriors would, they would relish a, a fair opponent or a, or a valiant opponent. And, and God sends out a boy. Come on. God's going to defeat the stuff that's such big deal and make it look so little by sending out small stuff. Come on, somebody. We're looking, oh, we need tanks, and we need weapons, and we need all this stuff. No, no, God's ways are different than your ways. I understand that you have a very smart brain, but actually God is much smarter than you, and God's ways seem foolish to men. That's why people looked at the cross and thought it was foolishness. Okay, so we have to be really careful that in our, all of our humanism and intellectualism that's that's really perverted our thinking, and we call it Christianity, we've we, we got to be careful that we don't disdain God's perfect delivery vehicle for breakthrough. Come on, somebody. So, so, so Goliath looks at David, and he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Verse 43. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? You're going to throw sticks and say, here, boy, are you really coming to me with a little pouch and a sling? Are you serious? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now, see, that's the first mistake he made after all the other ones. <laughs> Verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. See, David, uh, Goliath, probably thought, oh, all these men don't want to die, so someone's drawn lots and they've sent out a small child because we, we, they, can, they can let him die and they're all just letting this happen because I've done this long enough and they're all going to be my slaves. Now I'm going to close the deal. I'm going to kill this kid. It's going to be over real quick. This is ridiculous, but also I'm at least going to get to finish this and they're all just going to submit to our slavery. Goliath thought that this was their submission tactic to go with one of theirs dying by the hand of Goliath. Okay, now watch this. Just when the enemy believes they've got the upper hand, God always uses the enemy's strength against him. When the Bible says that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, it means just that. So when it looks like the enemy has the upper hand, God is letting him play right into it, and before you know it, there is the flanking of heaven where heaven comes and storms the field and everything the devil was about to do gets destroyed. Come on, I hope someone's getting something right now. So, so, so Goliath says to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I'm going to tear you up and make you a buffet for all the animals that are in the area. Verse 45, and David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts 
the God of the armies of, of Israel. He didn't say, I come to you a servant of Saul. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, come on, guys, we need to see this. We need to stop realizing and believing that Satan's attacking us. He's attacking God. And when the enemy comes against me, he's not coming against Andrew Billings. He's coming against my father. I am purely a representative of the kingdom, the, the authority, the throne, the scepter, and the crown of my king on he in, in heaven. So, so I'm not afraid of this Goliath. I'm, I am really looking for my father to respond. See, that's why we give to God, because we're submitting to God's authority. It's a loving, it's a loving family act. But, but it's a thing, no, no, hang on a minute, Goliath, you got this all wrong. You're busy cussing me out, you're busy cussing the army out, you're busy cussing Saul out, but actually, I'm here to let you know you've been cussing God out, and God is just showing up on the battlefield, and he is going to destroy you. Your mouth will no longer talk. You will not have a voice. That voice, that tongue that has caused all the armies of Israel to lose their strength, all the armies of Israel to bow and cower, all the armies of Israel to back away and run when you showed up, that same tongue will stop wagging today. Come on, somebody. I'm prophesying to somebody. We need to get this. We need to let fear get out because we've been listening to the wrong Goliath. We've been listening to news reports day and night about how everyone's going to die and how all's going. No, listen, there is another report, and it's called the report of the Lord. There is a report of the Lord that says this, real simple, two words, we win. Jesus defeated all powers and principalities and made a spectacle of the devil. Don't you dare give the devil his authority back now. Don't you dare hand the keys of, of heaven back over to the devil and let the devil have authority in your house, your street, your city, your state, your nation. Come on. Don't you dare give the devil back the keys that God gave you. You are the one that has the light-bearing uh, 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 responsibility. You're the one that's now carrying the scepter of authority. You're the one that's been given the keys to the power of life and death. You're the one that has authority over sin and death. Jesus gave it to you. So you need to stop believing Goliath and being like the armies of Israel, and you need to start invoking your relationship with God. Am I preaching to somebody or what? Come on, guys. We need to get this. We need to get this. We are sons and daughters of heaven. We do not go by the rules of how Goliath dictates. Listen, I don't care if your whole street gets it. You ain't getting it. The Bible already told you it can't come near your tent dwelling. Psalms 91 is either true or it's not. And I've read it too many times. I've watched the goodness of God rebuke sickness and disease. I've watched financial miracles too many times. I've watched God do something out of nothing too many times to believe that Goliath has authority. The problem is, is no one's been speaking up against him. And we've been listening to passive pastor churches and passive Christian center church telling us that, well, you probably should hide and be quiet and you know don't don't upset that thing it might come after you no no listen god has been brought into this battlefield because this thing's tried to flip off god okay this thing's tried to present itself as the as the healthcare authority this thing's tried to say well everyone's getting it young and old all no no listen it might have gripped everyone else but it's not going to grip you but you need to believe god Come on, let's keep reading. This is good stuff. If you're getting touched right now, just 
Just, just comment it or share whatever. We need to get this out there. We need to get strength back into God's people. I'm not saying be foolish. I'm definitely not saying defy the authorities because God has set authority, government authorities in place. But what I am saying is you need to get fear out of your living room because you invited it in. You invited it in and you meditated on it day and night instead of the word of God. And if you were meditating on, it, on the word of God day and night, you wouldn't be afraid. Because faith and fear cannot coexist. They just simply cannot coexist. Okay, let's keep going here. I love this. Come on, I hope someone's fired up right now. Okay. Verse 46. This day the Lord will deliver... See, not, David didn't even say, this day I will kill you. He said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. Uh, the reason that, D that David had to take Goliath's head off was because that was the vehicle the enemy had been broadcasting from. He had to take it off. He shut the mouth of the enemy. Just like God shut the mouth of the lions for Daniel, David shut, uh, God, God shut the mouth of the enemy through David. He took it off. It wasn't just enough to kill him. He had to cut his head off because that thing, no, you ain't never ever going to speak again. You ain't never going to take God's people's strength away again. Okay? The very, see, this is really interesting. Look at this. Let's, let's read on. And this day I will give you, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air. <coughs> he didn't just say to, to Goliath, because Goliath told David, he said, I'm going to tear your body up and feed you to the birds of the air and the, the animals on the ground. They're all going to eat your body. He didn't, David didn't just return that. He said, this day, the entire camp of the Philistines is going to be fed to the, to the wild animals and the birds. Because everything that aligned itself with that spirit is going to be judged with that spirit. I want you to hear this. All of the stuff behind the enemy's attack is coming down. I declare that over the United States of America. I declare that over Europe. I declare that over Asia. I declare that over Australasia. I declare it over Africa. That the, that the plans and the intent, I declare it over Eastern Europe. I declare that the plans of the enemy are coming down in Jesus' name and that there will be great exposure in the earth. Great exposure where fear has been used as a weapon against all of humanity. That is an imposter and as sons and daughters of the kingdom, we correct that and rebuke it. We command it to fall. Its voice is leaving in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I hope someone's screaming in their living room because I, I, I'm just all fired up here. I'm all hyped up. I'm all hyped up on Jesus and a bit of Mountain Dew. So, come on, Jesus. <laughs> I haven't drunk any Mountain Dew, but it's a good reference. So David says to him, All the camp of the Philistines will be fed to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Listen, I'm telling you, church, that the, the world needs to see that there is a God in churches. <coughs> that, that the God of the Christians is the one true living God. That the God that the, the God that created the heavens and the earth is with us. They need to see that it's not some dead bingo country club weirdo gathering. They need to see that there is power and authority in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Excuse me. Getting all fired up here. Okay. Verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord God does not save by the sword or the spear for the battle 
is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Now, this right here is the very thing that Israel didn't do for 40 days and 40 nights. They let Goliath speak and no one responded. And because there was not a countering voice from the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of darkness seemed like it was in charge. But it only seemed like it was in charge until the voice of faith opened its mouth. Come on, somebody. And we need to get the voice of faith back in our lives. We need to get this book coming out of our mouths. We need to, I, I will live and not die. No, this thing will not come near my house. It will not come near my tent dwelling. I will, pestilence might fly by day, or plagues by night, all these deterra by night, all these different things. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm talking so much, I'm, I'm, I'm rasping my throat. All these different things are flying around us, but the Bible tells us they have no authority over us. If you notice, I'm going after fear. Because, and, and I've been going after fear since this quarantine started. Because the second fear gets out of your life, you're going to get strong. The second fear gets out, faith's going to arise and you're going to start walking in a different dimension. Uh, torment's going to leave your life. Sickness is going to start to break, right? You're not going to submit to, to bad economy. Right now, I'm so excited. The world's talking about uh, all kinds of crashes and losses like, oh, that's terrible. Um, for people that don't have covenant with God, that's terrible. And I hope that in this process, they do get a covenant with God. But I have a covenant with God, and I'm looking that this is going to be one of the greatest seasons of financial breakthrough and transfer in my life. And, and I pray that that's the same for you. But you've got to disengage with fear, otherwise your reality is going to be what Goliath's saying. You have to stop letting Goliath speak to you. Someone getting this? So then verse 48, and so... So it was that when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that, the, uh, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. So, so now Goliath's starting to move with intention towards David to finish and kill him. And David doesn't stand there shaking. He's full of the Spirit of God. And instead of standing there and trying to strategically hide behind a rock, David just starts running straight towards that giant. <coughs> Come on. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he put it in his sling and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. Now, this is an interesting thought. If you go and look up Google ancient battle armor and you look at helmets, helmets cover foreheads. So what this tells me is that Goliath became so cocky that he was going to destroy David. He took his helmet off. I've never seen this before. I've never thought about this before, but I saw it today. David thought, sorry, Goliath thought that the deal was over. So he's like, I'm going to show these guys. Took the helmet off and he starts moving towards David to destroy him. See, the enemy plays right into the hands of our king. <laughs> Come on. This is beautiful because you can't sink a stone through a helmet. The helmet's got to be off. And so he didn't just hit him on the head. The Bible says that the stone actually cracked his skull because you can't sink a stone into a forehead unless the skull cracks. So God, I believe, it's like one of those cartoons, that the stone was flying through the air and I personally think that God grabbed that stone and just punched it straight into Goliath's head because the battle was the Lord's. And David invited God into the battle. He didn't try and do it in his own strength. He wasn't being cocky. 
he was being confident. There's a huge difference between being cocky and arrogant and being confident in God. Come on. So we, and it sunk into his forehead and he fell on his face. So, so you can you imagine this? This this big dread warrior. <clears throat> He's had a track record of, you know, uncontested, un, you know, total unanimous wins everywhere he's gone. And then he gets to this little boy, takes his helmet off, and he starts moving towards the boy. And this boy takes out a stone that he just picked up. It's still wet. It's still wet. It's straight out of the brook. And he flies it through the air, and it sinks into this guy's head. He doesn't just fall to his knees graciously. He goes straight down on his face, falls into the dirt. Come on, this is beautiful. Verse 50, so David prevailed. So the sons and daughters of God prevailed. It's what comes out of your mouth. What came out of David's mouth was far more important in this battle than the stone that he put in his pouch. I'm telling you. What came out of David's mouth was far more important than the stone he picked up and put in his pouch. I'm telling you. Because what you declare is what happens. You've been made in the image of God. And God made all things through words. Okay, so... He, he, he prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Watch this. Come on, somebody. Therefore, David ran over, sorry, ran and stood over the Philistine. He ran and stood over the top of Goliath. Now, can you imagine? All of the Philistine army is now in shock because they're still in their board shorts. They're still in their, they're still in their PJs because they're like, oh, we ain't going to have to fight today. Goliath's got it for us. They're, we're just all hanging out. We're all chilling out. And all of Israel's terrified, so we're, this is going to be easy. They're all chilling, and all of a sudden, in a moment, the course of the story changes, and their champion is eating dirt on his face. And this boy is standing now over his body. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and took Goliath's sword. <coughs> Isn't it interesting? This is beautiful. Watch this. Took, it, took out Goliath's sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And then the, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. See, before the Israelites were fleeing, but a son of God stood up, and now all the strength of the enemy, which was a bigger army, by the way, now they were terrified and starting to run. Now watch this, verse 52. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. See, the, the whole battle changed in just a second. It, everything shifted in a minute. And where everyone had lost their strength, when they saw a son of God stand up and the word of the Lord come out of his mouth and the head and the voice of the enemy get shut down, strength returned. See, that was the difference. A whole army got shut down because strength was sucked out of them. But as soon as they saw Goliath fall, strength returned and now they stand up and they start to shout and they begin to pursue. Now watch this. They pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley of the gates of Ekron. So now they've chased the Philistines all the way back into their land, into their homeland. Now, I'm not going to read any further, but if you keep reading down and read the story, the other four stones that David collected were for Goliath's other brothers because he was, he was a, a one of five brothers that were giants. So all five of those got killed. Isn't that beautiful? Now, let's come back. I want to show you something. Verse 51. The enemy came with the sword, which represents strength, authority, and destruction. 
But the very sword that it came to destroy the children of Israel, the army of Israel with, is the thing that actually got used against them. What the devil's threatening against the church right now, what the devil's threatening against the world, is the very thing that's going to backlash on all of the secret evil stuff and, and, and all the conspiracy stuff and the, the people that have actually, you know, uh, uh, aligned themselves with darkness. Hell is going to get pushed back. You watch. Hell is going to be pushed back and heaven's going to rise up. But we need to stand and believe the word of the Lord. We need to get the spirit of fear out and get into the spirit of faith. Come on, somebody. Now, it also says that they took all the plunder. They took all the Philistines' plunder all the way back to where they came from. Now, I'm going to try and land this in the next few minutes. I want to be mindful of your time, but I also want to be mindful of your faith and get fear out of you. So this is really important right now, plus you're saving driving time, so I got you for a little bit longer. It was a little bit savage, but it was also true. So, so let's, let's, <clears throat> let's read here. So, so I want to talk a little bit about the spirit of fear for a second. The spirit of fear. You see, fear is actually a demon. They're, just like in the way that we understand that angels have different assignments, so do demons. Demons have assignments, and, and fear is not an emotion. You're, you are receiving fear. You're feeling afraid when a spirit of fear is coming near you. Now, if I could just paint a picture for a second, if you could see into the spirit realm for just a second, <clears throat> if you could see into the spirit realm, you would not see a strong, Goliath, intimidating demon standing there trying to make people afraid. A spirit of fear is literally just that. It's a demon that's afraid of everything. It's constantly tormented with fear. It's constantly tormented with all kinds of uh, terror and, and um, insecurity. It's just walking around Everything it does is, is rooted and based in fear. And so when it comes near people, people start to feel that atmosphere. Just in the same way that when God's presence comes, we start to feel the strength of God. We start to feel the peace of God. His person, His presence, when He comes, we are like receivers. We receive and interact. And His presence, His person, His spirit, influences the way that we receive and interact and feel and so in the same way a spirit of fear is just like a it's a creature that's full of torment it's a fallen angel and it's full of torment and horror and insecurity and and terror all the time so so here's the deal guys you're not actually dealing with your intellect you're dealing with a spirit now if you feed on things intellectually you'll actually like a doorway be inviting that thing to come near you now you have to guard your heart and mind you have to guard your heart above all else, for from it flow the issues of life. If you're constantly feeding on, what if this happens? What if that happens? And you're actually feeding that spirit, and that spirit's going to start to be a familiar presence around you, okay? And you have to come into faith. The reason I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this message today is that that spirit is trying to attach itself to every single person on the planet right now, and we need to reject it and be like David and defy this thing because it's been defying the armies of God, the children of God. It's been defying the people. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's been defying the people of God. I want to tell you today that there are more with us than with them. Amen? So we need to really understand that. So when this thing comes, the Bible says that, that when we resist the devil, he must flee from us. So you might say, well, I always feel afraid. I'm always feeling tormented. I always fear, fear, feel fearful. But I'm here to tell you today, if you just make a decision, so you know what? I'm going to start standing in faith. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Now, did you notice it's the same mechanism? Goliath instilled fear in the armies of Israel by speaking and them listening. But faith also comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can be afraid by listening to that Goliath-type threat, that, that, that intimidation, or you can get this, this book in your heart and in your mind, to read it out loud. And it starts, it starts going in your eyes, your ears, and those gates. And you start to meditate on it. And you'll watch strength start to rise on the inside of you. Also, that I mentioned last week that, that we build ourselves up. We strengthen our spirits when we pray in, in, in our tongues, in our prayer language. We pray in the Holy Ghost. So do those two things. Read the Word of God and pray in the Holy Ghost. It's going to make you stronger. And in doing so, when you do that, you're actually resisting the devil. When you resist the devil, he flees and you'll watch peace come. Because the opposite of fear is faith, and faith produces peace. Amen? Two final scriptures, really encouraging, <clears throat> really encouraging scriptures that I want to give you. If you come with me to the gospel, yeah, the gospel of John, the gospel of John, chapter 16. The gospel of John, chapter 16, I'm going to read from verse 31. Jesus answered them, do you know? Do, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own. Hello? And will leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> These things that I have spoken to you, that, that in me you may have peace. Come on, not fear. You may have peace. <clears throat> In the world, you will have tribulation or troubles. Watch this. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. God, J Jesus came and overcame the world so that you don't need to uh, live under all of the waves of attack and anxiety. You don't need to live under that because Jesus has... Uh, I found this kind of humorous because he was like, he would be scattered each to his own each to his own house. And I kind of feel like right now on the earth, everyone's scattered to their own houses. So this is like, you know, a really fitting scripture. But Jesus is never going to leave you. You've got the Father, you have Jesus, you have Holy Spirit. You have a God that's never going to leave you in an abandoned place. But you've got to remember that he's overcome the world. Now come please to the, to the, to the, um, the epistle of John. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. <clears throat> now, when it's saying overcomes the world, it's not talking about society and governments. It's talking about the spirit of the world. It's talking about the, the, the precepts that spiritually uh, th this world is falling under. It's talking about like diseases sweeping the earth. We are born of God. And because we're born of God, we overcome the world. We don't submit. If there is a flu pandemic, if there is a bowler breakout, it is not going to touch us. But you have to believe this. I know to some of you watching, this may seem like madness and crazy, crazy talk, but I'm telling you, I've watched God heal too many people. And I know many of you watching have too. <clears throat> We've seen people healed of stage four cancer. I'll just take them home and get them comfortable. They've got a few days to live. No, we live under different rules. We have access to a different covenant. And the covenant says, in my name they shall cast out demons. They shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. 
Come on. He'll raise the dead. We're going we're to cleanse lepers. We're going we're gonna to have all kinds. It even says that you'll drink deadly things and take up serpents and scorpions. None of it's going to harm you. We have to be in a season now where we really believe the book. We need to believe the book. If you haven't hidden this in you, you're going to be questioning what it says. You're going to be like someone reading a prospectus. This is not a prospectus to me. This is a covenant. And I believe everything it says. I believe I can have everything it says. I believe I can do everything it's told me I can do. You have to get to that place where you consume this. And with everyone being stuck at home, you've got more time to read this more than ever before. So let, watch this. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God, say that's me. I'm born of God. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Do you notice that it's not like questioning, well, hopefully some of you make it. It's saying this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Not our fear, not our reasoning, not our intellectualism, not our knowledge of the media, not our knowledge of how, you know, news broadcasts work, none of that stuff. It's our faith, our faith that overcomes the world. You know, I think there's a lot of people living today that have been so conditioned to their opinion that they would have tried to, to tell Jesus that he was impractically wrong when he was walking on. They would have been sitting in the boat saying, yeah, I don't really agree with your theology there of how you walked on water. And Jesus would have just been like, shh, you know nothing. You have an opinion, it doesn't count, I'm walking on water. And we have too many people today that value their opinion and their worldly knowledge, their intellectualism, their humanism, way above heaven's principles of faith. Because faith makes zero sense to human logic. Zero sense. You know, when a, when a prophet walks up and tells, you know, a widow woman in the midst of a famine, or you could say recession, depression, he's like, hey, you know, you need to just, uh, you know, you, you need to go and ask all your neighbors for their pots and their jars. Yeah, and you're going to do this. You, it's all going to work out. Yeah, cool. Go, you, 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 you've been told me, you've told me that all your sons, your, both your sons, your husband's died and your sons are going to be sold to pay the bill. Okay, I understand all that. And I'm going to be a little ruthless right now. I'm not even going to talk about that. Go get me some pots. All right? Do this here. Take care of me. Go get me some pots. And all this oil is going to multiply. You're going to sell the oil. None of that makes any logic. All right? And I know that there's a lot of people, even in Christian circles right now, that would sit around with their little Bible studies and intellectually and humanistically pick that apart. But I don't really care about your opinion. I care about God's kingdom. And God's kingdom doesn't respect your intellectualism it does whatever god wants it to okay it provides however god wants people to be provided for well how come god made water into wine i don't know you go ask him but i know that my god is a miracle working god and i choose this day to believe him i choose that god can be and do whatever he wants however he wants to whenever he wants to and bring crazy breakthrough amen <clears throat> okay, let's let's uh, let's just go through. So it says it's even overcome the world, our faith. Who is who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. So if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you're stepped into breakthrough. And from there, as you start to believe more and more about what he's done and 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 what's available to you as a son and daughter of God, you're going to step into greater levels of faith. And so I really want to encourage you today to divorce and disengage from listening to these crazy threats that have tried to hit you. These crazy things of, well, you're going to get it. Someone, you know, I've had people calling me a lot. A lot of people have been calling me. Well, someone at my work got it. What am I going to do? 
this is what you're going to do. You're going to live and not die. Well, you know, three people, this has happened, and everything's going to get shut down. I'm not going to have a job. What am I going to do? You're going to be blessed, because my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Okay? Well, what if I get sick? We're going to heal you. Okay? Because I've got access to a better medical plan. His name is Jesus. Okay? I, I really do. I really believe this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being flippant. I'm not being, I'm not being, you know, aloof. I understand that people are dying, and for that I am deeply, deeply sad. I'm deeply sad. But I do, I can tell you that the kingdom of heaven is here, and I'm trying to activate sons and daughters right now to get out of fear. I, I mentioned it last week. All of creation groans and eagerly awaits. You know why it's groaning and eagerly awaiting? Because it's living under the curse of sin. And all creation groans and eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons and daughters of the kingdom. Why? Because it needs light to shine in darkness. And if the sons and daughters of the kingdom are busy reacting, responding, and isolating their spirits from the authentic kingdom of God, then creation waits longer to see a true manifestation of revealing of the sons and daughters of God. I'm telling you, we need to get rid of fear and step into faith. We need to actually let God be God. And to do that, we have to go all in, lose control, and actually believe him. I 100% believe. Look, we, we serve a God that can raise the dead. Do you have anything else more impressive to say? I mean, really. Our God raises the dead. Coronavirus is not a threat to God. God isn't going to get coronavirus. On earth as it is in heaven. In heaven there is no coronavirus. So as we pull on heaven and as we step into more faith, we're going to start to sound like David. And I understand to some of you watching, I might even seem very rude, insulting, and arrogant to you, but it's just that I come from another kingdom. I come from another kingdom where this stuff doesn't exist. I come from another kingdom where there is complete authority. And I'm not sitting and listening to this thing threatening me every day. I'm listening to my king who's telling me I'm going to be all right. How about you? And I would encourage you and invite you to step out of fear. Because fear is like drinking poison and thinking somehow you're going to have a better perspective. That's what fear is. It just, it just keeps perpetuating pain and, and distortion. So, so we're going to close right now. And I just really pray. I just want to pray for some of you right now. Because I know that some of you ha have really, really been struggling with this. And I'm not knocking anyone. If you've been struggling, I'm not here to make anyone feel bad. But I am here to say there's a better way. Okay? So, so if, if that's you, I just want you to just close your eyes and just receive right now. And I really want to pray that the spirit of fear would be broken off you. But here's the thing. I can pray, but you need to resist it. You need to, get, you need to go read this story over and over out of seven, uh, uh, 1 Samuel 17. Read it over and over until the, 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 the spirit imparts into you and you start to get that fire burning in your soul. Because this scripture right here has walked me through many, many difficult seasons. Many, many difficult seasons in my life. And I can tell you that God is the same God for you watching this as he was for David on that battlefield. He is going to be good to you. You're going to come out on top. You might even stand out on that battlefield and you're looking up at this giant thing that's trying to intimidate you and say, you're going to lose everything. The economy's going to crash. All your money's going to dry up. You're not going to have a place to live. You're going to lose your home. You're going to lose your car. You're going to lose your loved ones. You're going to get sick and die. And you need to look back at it and say, none of those things in that atmosphere 
are getting to do what they want to. And as a matter of fact, that thing that's been threatening me is just revealing God's purpose over me or it wouldn't waste its time trying to make me pull back and hide and give up and throw down my weapons. I am going to take that thing's sword and I'm going to cut that thing's uh, uh, head off in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just, let's just pray together right now. And if, if you really need prayer, maybe just put a thumbs up or something like that and just, just start just agreeing with God. Because we can't do an altar call, so we need to do something to have interaction. All right? Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that every spirit of fear and intimidation around this whole uh, pandemic of fear. See, this isn't a pandemic of a virus. This is a pandemic of fear. This is a pandemic of fear that's trying to grip people and, and take strength away from whole groups of people, even churches. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, I curse the spirit, this assignment, this global pandemic of fear, this, this virus of fear, God, in the name of Jesus. And I curse the assignment of the enemy. I curse it at the roots and declare that you shall bear no fruit. You may form and fashion weapons. I might see them across the battlefield, but they will never touch me. They will never inflict pain on me. They will never kill me. They will never prevail in the things that they were made to do. In Jesus' name. I thank you, God, for every single person watching right now. I thank you, God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear. So that we know that when fear is trying to paralyze us, trying to get us to, to, to sit in a fetal position in the corner of our lives... We know that when fear is present, that it didn't come from heaven. So it must have come from hell. And hell is trying to bind us up and cause us to back away from the, the positions that we're called to stand in. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every spirit of fear, every spirit of intimidation, every spirit of terror and torment right now in Jesus' name. And I command you to wither up and die. I command you to back away from these people that are just really connecting with God right now. I pray, God, you said that, that when we submit to God and resist the devil, that the devil must flee. So we have to submit to you, God, and we also have to resist the devil. And I thank you, God, that as we do that and as we start to hide your word more in our heart, as we start to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost and, and reading out loud your word, God, your, your, your book, <coughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, where we start to consume the power of God, the authenticity, stories like David in the, in the Valley of Elah, God, where your hand caused him to, to destroy and strike down Goliath, that we would see that, God, and in our own lives, we would see strength rising, and that we would start to declare truth. We would start to declare what you've done for us in our path, in our past, and in, in, in the path of our lives, God, in our journey where you've actually, where you have defeated the enemy's assignments. You have been our provider. You have been our healer. You have been our deliverer, God. You've been the one that's been our, our covering in our high tower. When we start to really declare that, God, I pray that strength would just rise in everyone watching. God, that we wouldn't just do it today while we're having Sunday service, but we would start doing it every single day. When we're sitting in our home and we get that strange thought going through our head, oh, this thing's going to get in, your co-worker's going to get it, and you've been with them, and, and all these things. And then we just start speaking out to the atmosphere that you'd teach us not to be silent, quietly thinking crazy thoughts about all these terrible things that are going to happen, that we would have a voice that speaks back into the darkness. We would have a voice that, that contests with what the enemy's been trying to cripple us with, that we would have a voice that would defy the dictates of the terms of war and the 
terms of engagement and that we would start to declare a stripping of the enemy's kingdom and establishing of, the, of our king's one. That we would see prosperity, breakthrough, healing, deliverance, a fearless, peaceful life in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that today is a day of breakthrough for many that are watching this. And I thank you, God, that you are our deliverer, our healer, our provider, and the one that causes us to live under a covering. And just like David, when he turned up, he was in submission, turned up to the battlefield. He was in submission to his father, doing uh, what he needed to do, uh, tending the sheep and also delivering the food, God. And I pray that we would stand and realize that this is not a season in life to be rogue and in, like a rebellion, independent heart, heart mentality, God, but we would come into submission. We would dwell under your covering, God. We would dwell under the leadership that you've put around us, Father. Whether it's at Dwelling Place or people attend other churches that are watching this, I pray that there would just be a real, a real heart that breaks off the orphan spirit and causes people to come into authentic submission where there's covering and protection, where you can entrust us. Because we know, God, when we walk in authentic submission and obedience, authentic power and authority flows in our life. And that's one of the reasons that we see Daniel walking in so much, uh, David walking in so much authority. So in the name of Jesus, God, I just speak peace over every mind and heart right now. That you, God, would guard hearts and minds. That you, God, would cause perfect peace that passes all understanding to, to not just guard our hearts and minds, but to fill our houses. That when the enemy of fear looks for a cracked window to get in at night while we're sitting on our bed looking at the ceiling, that he wouldn't be able to get in because perfect peace is guarding our house. Every particle of atmosphere in our house, every room, even the closets, God, would be just filled with the peace of God. I thank you, Father. I bless you for every single person. I speak protection, courage, and strength, and boldness, and deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen.